years ago when I was playing basketball, the uh, team I was playing for, we were at a Christmas basketball tournament in the state of Connecticut, uh, the very, very cold state of Connecticut as I remember it. And uh, we were there for a Christmas tournament, and uh, during our time there in this tournament, our coaches decided that they were going to take us uh, a little ways across the border uh, over into Massachusetts to visit the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. We spent the afternoon in that Hall of Fame as we walked around and we looked at Uh, the heroes of the game of basketball, Uh, those who have made an impact on the game of basketball throughout history. We looked at the best of the best, and we uh, read about their accomplishments and their awards. We watched clips of their games in college and in high school as they were at the height of uh, their excellence in the game of basketball, and we spent the entire afternoon there in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Our coaches did this for a couple of reasons. Number one, they wanted to teach us about the history of the game of basketball. They wanted us to uh, appreciate those who had gone before, those who had played before and had played with excellence, and they wanted us to learn more about the history of the game of basketball. Secondly, I firmly believe our coaches were uh, hoping that by taking us to the Basketball Hall of Fame, it would inspire our team to play our best in the tournament in Connecticut, which, believe it or not, we didn't win much, but in actuality, it worked because in that particular tournament, we actually won the tournament. We spent uh, that entire day, it's an awesome day, in the Basketball Hall of Fame, walking around looking at the heroes of the game of basketball. God has placed his hall of faith in his word in Hebrews chapter 11 for us to read, for us to study, for us to enjoy, and for us to visit anytime we please. It doesn't cost anything to visit God's hall of faith, and we can stay for as long as we want. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find the names of some of the heroes of the Old Testament. Men and women who have gone before us and lived out their faith in God in such a way that they are enshrined in God's word as heroes of our faith in God. They serve as examples for us today as we live out our faith in God. I'm starting a new series this morning titled Heroes, and we're going to look at and learn from some of faith's finest that we find here in Hebrews chapter 11 in God's hall of faith. So if you haven't already, let me encourage you to open your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Make your way to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll begin in this passage. Now, we're going to move around a little bit, uh, both into the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but Hebrews 11 will be our base of operations as we look at these heroes of our faith and trust in God. As we begin this series, I want to make one point very clear so that we don't miss this one central point, is the foundational point Uh, of what we understand about God's word, and that is simply this. The greatest hero of our faith is Jesus Christ. 
the greatest hero of our faith is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hero of our faith. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. The Old Testament points us to Jesus. The New Testament introduces us to Jesus. Jesus loved you and me so much that he took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin so we might receive forgiveness of sins and have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God, which happens by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the holy and righteous one who died for us, the unholy and unrighteous ones, to bring us to God. Jesus is the one, as the scripture says, that God made him who had no sin, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us as he took our sin upon himself on the cross so that in him, by faith in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We are right with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are forgiven by God, by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, and I mean no one, what does that mean? It means no one comes into a relationship with God except by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hero, Jesus is our Savior, Jesus is our Lord. And I think we can all shout hallelujah to that point. Amen? Hallelujah to that point. That's one we can all agree on for sure. With that in mind, understanding that key point, now as we walk into God's hall of faith, I want us to identify some points about these men and women that we're going to be looking at and learning from over the next few weeks. So let's look at five points about these heroes of our faith in God. The first point is these heroes were people of faith in God. They were people of faith in God, men and women of faith in God. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. The world says you have to see in order to believe. God says you have to believe in order to see. And we see the writer of Hebrews used uh, two similar phrases to make his point. Now, faith is the reality. That means the substance, the assurance of what is hoped for. And faith is the proof, the evidence, the conviction of what is not seen. Faith is confidence today in what God's going to do tomorrow. Faith is confidence today in what God is going to do in and through us and around us later on today. Faith is believing God is who he says he is and God will do what he has promised to do. And faith helps us to live out that trust in God day by day. We have every reason to place our faith in God, because God has been, is, and always will be faithful to all his promises. God is faithful to all his promises. He is a faithful God. Amen? He's a faithful God. He's been faithful to you, and he's been faithful to me. And we know this. We see this in the Word. We also see this in our lives. Therefore, we know this faith that we're talking about is not a blind step into the dark, Faith is a confident step into the light of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And so we understand and realize these heroes that we're going to learn from in the coming weeks, these heroes were people of faith in God. Look at verse 2. For by it our ancestors were approved. It means they were commended. So our ancestors... Specifically, the heroes listed here, the men and women of the Old Testament listed here in chapter 11, and the many other men and women of the Old Testament that were not listed in chapter 11, 
the heroes in the New Testament, which are not listed in this chapter, they were commended, they were approved because of their faith in God. They won God's approval by their faith and trust in him. They lived out this trust, this faith in God day by day. They believed God was who he says he was. They believed God would be faithful to do what he promised to do, step by step, day by day. And as God observed them, as God watched them, as God empowered them, as God blessed them, as God grew them, as God used them, he commended them. He placed his approval on them for their faith and trust in him. Second point, we see the heroes were available to God. Notice these heroes are not in God's hall of faith because of their ability. They were in God's hall of faith because of their availability. These heroes were available to God. These heroes did not have superpowers, but they had faith in a super God. And so this super God that they follow by faith is the same super God that we follow by faith day by day. And they lived day by day by their faith in God. And as they walked by faith in God, God did the extraordinary in, around, and through them because God is our extraordinary God. God did the extraordinary in, around, and through them. They weren't extraordinary. God is our extraordinary God. And God did the extraordinary in, around, and through them because of their faith and trust in him. And as we live out our faith in God day by day, God will do the extraordinary in, around, and through us because God is our extraordinary God. He will do what only he can do in, around, and through us day by day as we live out our faith and trust in God, as we are available to God. God wants us to be people of faith in him. God wants us to be available to him. What does it mean to be available to God? Well, it simply means just to yield ourselves to God day by day and to joyfully watch for God to do his work in and around and through us. Being available to God simply means yielding ourselves to God day by day, denying ourselves, denying ourselves taking him our cross daily, and following him. It means yielding ourselves to God and joyfully watching for God to work, joyfully communicating with God and talking with God and being ready and willing to do whatever it is that God asks us to do, to go where he asks us to go, to say what he asks us to say. Simply walking around conscious of our awesome and almighty God, our extraordinary God who is at work in us, around us, and through us. And we know that we know that we know that God is at work in, around, and through us. How do we know this? God's word tells us. Jesus said, my father is always working, and I too am at work. We know that Paul said, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is working in you and me, and he is giving us the desire and the strength to fulfill his good purpose. 
for our lives, day by day, step by step, moment by moment. God's at work in us right now. He's at work in you. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God living within you is speaking to you. He is taking this word and he is applying it specifically to you. I don't know the specific issues that you're dealing with, that you're facing. I don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on in your life, but the Holy Spirit of God does and he is at work. He's always at work and he is at work even now. He's speaking to you. He's bringing to mind the truths of God's word. He's bringing to mind what he has been doing, what he is doing, what he is yet to do in your life. He's focusing you in on what he's going to do this day, this week. And so we know and understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're still on your journey to God this morning and you've not yet placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is speaking to you. He's drawing you closer and closer to him. He is wanting you to understand how great his love is for you. He is wanting you to understand this Jesus Christ, his son, the savior of the world. He is drawing you closer and closer so that you might receive his gift of salvation by placing your faith in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if we had a great night's sleep. It doesn't matter if we had very little sleep. It doesn't matter if we're coming off a week-long camp uh, with a bunch of teenagers. It doesn't matter what's going on with us. We know and understand that God is at work. He's at work. And I tell you, when you're available to God, you really can't miss him. You can't miss him. Yesterday, Kim and I were driving back into town. We were out of town uh, this week, and we were driving back into town. And as we were driving uh, back into town, I was talking with God and uh, just uh, talking and dialoguing with the Father as I was driving and having a discussion with him uh, about uh, many different things and and lifting folks up and praying. But then uh, spent a considerable amount of time focused in on, on what God uh, wanted in regards to the sermon uh, and the theme and the topic today specifically, and then uh, the series, and, and God uh, places many different thoughts and ideas and, and, and plans before me. And so that's part of what pastors do. We sift through, we pray through, and we beg God to make it clear to us what he wants us to say uh, and that, that we would be found faithful to say exactly what he wants us to say. And as I was talking to God, I was telling God, you know what, God, I, I sure hope that I'm not missing you, uh, and I hope, God, that I'm hearing clearly from you about what you want in regards to this Heroes series, and God, I believe that's where you're leading me. I believe that's what you've made clear, and God, I I think that's what you want, and I I don't want to say anything or go anywhere that you don't want me to go, and so, Father, in regards to the theme and the topic and the timing of whatever it is we're teaching on Sundays, Father, I want it to be exactly what you want it to be, and and I, I believe that that's what you want. And God, I'm just trusting that uh, this is the direction you want me to go. And I kid you not, as I said those words, as I was talking with the Father, I passed by a truck on Highway 35. As I passed by a truck on the side of the truck in big, bold letters, Hero Moving Company. So I did what everybody would have done. I said, thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you. I kid you not. That literally happened. Now, I know we got to be careful trying to hear from God from every nook and cranny and every sign known to man. We we don't want to go overboard with that. But I can assure you, at the very moment I was talking to God and asking God and saying those specific words, and it was a long ride, 
He could have done it any time he wanted, but he waited at the very exact moment, the very exact moment as I passed by. And there it was. And I tell you, when you make yourself available to God, he most certainly will make himself clear to you. He will let you know he's with you. He loves you. He's watching over you. And he's got everything under control. Everything as out of control as our lives may look at times. And as out of control as we may feel at times. Our almighty God is always in control. And he loves us. And he will make himself clear to us. So these heroes were available to God, and that's certainly what God desires for us as well. Let's look again. The third point is these heroes were not perfect. They were not perfect. They were people just like you and me. They were people we can relate to. They were not perfect. They had times where they turned away from God and walked away from God. They had times where they went their way instead of God's way. They had times when they did not exercise their faith in God, yet God still included them in his hall of faith. And thankfully, we can great, take great inspiration from this point because we know and understand that God is not looking for perfect Christ followers. God is looking for passionate Christ followers who love him and who want to live out their faith and trust in him and who are available to him, whatever he wants, whatever he wants, the way he wants. That's what God is looking for. These heroes were testimony to that reality, that point, that truth. The fourth, these heroes pleased God. They pleased God. We see it in Hebrews eleven six. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him, or rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible in the Hebrew, impossible in the Greek means impossible. It's impossible to please God apart from faith in God. And so we understand and realize that as we walk by faith in God, what does that mean? It means we believe God exists. We believe he is who he says he is. And we believe that not only does he exist, not only as he says he is, not only will he be faithful to do all that he has promised to do, but that he also rewards those who seek him. God rewards us by coming to us and by speaking to us and by making himself clear to us and by blessing us and by providing for us. He rewards us in many different ways. And faith is believing that God is who he says he is. He is the one true and only almighty God. There is no one like him. There is no one higher than our God. There is no one like our God. There is no one greater than our God. And we see this over and over in the word. That's what caused Solomon to say there's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. It caused David to say, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall. We rise up and stand firm. As the psalmist said, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Solomon told us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they're safe. And so we understand and realize that that faith pleases God. These heroes please God by their faith in God. And then last, these heroes inspire us to live by faith in God. 
They inspire us to live by faith in God. Their testimony of endurance inspires us to endure. Their testimony of perseverance inspires us to persevere. Their testimony of trust inspires us to trust God. Their testimony of faith in God and their troubles and trials inspires us to walk by faith in God in our troubles and trials. Their witness and testimony, their example inspires us today to live out our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. We see in Hebrews chapter 12, just look to the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, remember witnesses, surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see and understand these witnesses that we read about in Hebrews 12 and verse 1 include these heroes of the faith here that we read about in chapter 11. These men and women who have gone before us and lived out their faith in God. The many who have gone before us that aren't listed in this chapter. The many men and women in the New Testament who have gone before us and lived out their faith in God. Our family members, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ who lived out their faith in God during their time here on earth. They all serve as witnesses. They all serve as examples. They all serve as inspiration for us to continue day by day, moment by moment, step by step, living out our faith in God, enduring in the race that God has marked out for us. This use of race is imagery of the Christian life. So as we walk by faith and trust in God day by day, we have this word before us and we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we certainly have our brothers and sisters in Christ around us, but we also have the witness, the testimony of all those in the word and all those that we personally know who have gone before us, who are with the Father in heaven. And their examples, their faith, serve as inspiration and encouragement to us today to continue living out our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, to endure in the challenges and difficulties, times of suffering that we no doubt face as we live for Jesus. As he also says there, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. How did they live out their faith? How were they approved by God? They kept their eyes on the Lord. They kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of their faith. And so we see this important understanding here of these heroes. They inspire us, and we need inspiration. They inspire us to live out our faith in God day by day. So as we begin looking at these heroes, what we're going to find out is you look in chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews introduces us to these heroes in much the same manner. It's real simple. It's real short. It's real sweet. He says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, David. He, inter- he introduces them by faith. What is he saying in that simple, short introduction? He's saying these heroes did what they did by faith in God. These heroes lived how they lived by faith in God. These heroes ministered how they ministered by faith in God. These heroes said what they said by faith in God. These heroes did all that they were able to do by their faith and trust in God. They loved how they loved by their faith in God. And so we see this testimony for us to walk by faith day by day and our trust in the Lord Jesus. So let's look 
And me introduce, I want to introduce us to our first hero that we're going to look at this morning. And our first hero is a guy by the name of Enoch. In verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away. So he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation, he was approved having pleased God. A couple things real quick. Enoch was one of the first heroes listed. They're not listed in the matter of importance. He was one of the first heroes listed in the sovereign direction of the Father as he laid out this scripture for us. And we see immediately something that jumps out at us. Enoch was taken away by God. That means Enoch did not experience physical death on earth. Enoch did not experience death, and he was not to be found because God took him away. Prior to his transformation, he was approved, having pleased God. God took Enoch away. Enoch walked with God by his faith in God. He therefore pleased God, and God was so pleased with Enoch, Scripture tells us that God took him away. He was not to be found, implying that folks were at some point looking for Enoch. Hey, where'd Enoch go? I don't know. I hadn't seen him. He was taken away. We know, according to scriptures, that Enoch and Elijah were the two people who were taken away by God. Enoch and Elijah did not experience physical death on this earth. They pleased God, and they were taken away by God, and they serve as a type of the Christ followers who will be alive and taken up to heaven when Jesus Christ returns for us. And so we understand and realize that Enoch lived by faith in God, and he pleased God. For prior to his transformation, he was approved having pleased God. So we get some information about Enoch here, and uh, we can find some more information about him in in just a moment. But what we see, and, and it's brief information, it's not a lot of information, but we know Enoch is a pretty interesting guy, right? I mean, he had to be a pretty interesting guy. I mean, can you think of the questions? Are you serious? Dude, you were taken up by God? What was that like? How did that happen? Were you scared? Did you get sick? Was it fun? How exactly did that happen? Man, the questions we'll be able to ask one day in glory. What an interesting guy, this Enoch. All we know is that he pleased God. He was a guy, a man of faith, and then God whoop, took him up. People looking, away, looking for him, they didn't find him. He was taken away. So let's find out more about this Enoch guy, uh, this, this hero of our faith. Turn to your left. Go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. We've got to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 5. Uh, as we get to Genesis chapter 5, let me just give you a real quick summary, and this is a very quick summary. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we, we see the creative act of God, the creative activity. Genesis chapter 1, we read in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we know that God is the creator and the giver of life. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Say that with me. In the beginning, God. That's what we need to know. God always has been, is, and always will be. In the beginning, God. And he created the heavens and the earth. 
And we read about this and learn about this in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we learn about how God created Adam and then God created Eve from Adam and Eve for Adam. And then God brought Eve to Adam, thereby performing the very first wedding ceremony right there in the Garden of Eden. We learn in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, about the fall of Adam and Eve into sin and disobedience to God as they turned away from God and disobeyed God. And God disciplined them for their sin as he put them out of the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about their two boys, Cain and Abel, and how Cain murdered his brother Abel. Uh, And we hear and read and learn about how God disciplined Cain for his sin of murder uh, against God of his brother Abel. Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, we also learn about the family line of Cain. We read about the generations that followed after Cain. In Genesis chapter 4, we also learn at the end of Genesis chapter 4 that God blessed Adam and Eve with another son, and they named him Seth. And then as we look into Genesis chapter 5, we learn about the family line of Seth. We learn about the lineage from Adam to Seth and then down from that. And we see this genealogy. We see the lineage of Seth. And as we make our way to Genesis 5.18, here's what we read. Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. So here's our first introduction to this hero of our faith, Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. We know that much so far. Now look down to verse 21. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. God. And he was not there because God took him. What a great thing to be said about you. Enoch walked with God. Chris walked with God. Lana walked with God. Mallory walked with God. Rosa walked with God. How awesome would that be? What a great, simple epitaph. Enoch walked with God. That's awesome. When you stop and think about that, he walked with God in all, all that comes to mind and And all that that means, which we'll look at here in just a moment. What do we know? We know Enoch lived for God by his faith in God, and he pleased God. The Hebrew here in uh, verses 21 through 24, Enoch walked with God. In the Hebrew, walk with God uh, is translated into the Greek as pleased God. Enoch pleased God. And so we see In the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews 11, uh, the translation is Enoch pleased God. Here in uh, Genesis 5, in the Hebrew, Enoch walked with God. 
It's the same meaning. Enoch walked with God and he pleased God in the Hebrew Old Testament book of Genesis. Enoch walked with God and he pleased God in the New Testament book of Hebrews. And so we know he walked with God and he pleased God. Why? Because of his faith in God. Because without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. So we know he walked with God because of his faith in God. And he pleased God as he walked with God by faith in God, day by day, step by step. So I want us to look at three points about Enoch's walk with God, Enoch's relationship with God that will encourage us today as we seek to live for the Lord uh, this day and this week uh, and minister to those that God's going to place around us. Enoch was faithful to minister to those God placed around him. We'll see that here in just a moment. And God wants us uh, to be faithful to minister to all those he's going to place around us. So the first point we see is Enoch was open with his faith in God. Enoch was open with his faith in God. Enoch walked with God, and he didn't try to hide that walk. He didn't try to keep his passion for God out of the limelight. He didn't try to just get in and get along to fit in and and go along with the rest of the society around him. He walked with God. He didn't try to hide it. He was open about his relationship with God, his fellowship with God, his walk with God. Enoch was open with his family about his walk with God. And certainly Enoch had some challenging family members. And I know most of us probably don't want to say it publicly, but we understand what it means to have challenging family members. None here present, obviously. But we understand what that that means. And we know and understand Enoch had some challenging family members as well. If you look, and if we did a study of the lineage, we would find that Enoch is the seventh generation from uh, Adam. He's the seventh generation uh, that we read about. And we know that he had a cousin, and he had a cousin named Lamech. And his cousin Lamech was the seventh generation as well from the line of Cain. He was from the lineage of Seth. Enoch was from the lineage of Seth. And we know that Lamech was from the lineage of Cain. And Lamech sinned against God by taking two wives. He committed the sin of bigamy. And he sinned against God and took two wives. Lamech also boasted arrogantly and pridefully about how he killed a man for striking him. A man hit him, a man struck him, and he responded by killing the man. A gross overreaction, which indicated an obvious disregard for life uh, and God's creative work in us, in his image, And so we know within Enoch's family, there were those who obviously followed God and lived by faith in God. But as we're going to find out in just a moment, there weren't many. But we also know in his extended family, there were many who did not walk with God by faith in God. But Enoch was open with his faith in God, with his family. It was obvious to them that Enoch walked with God, that he communicated with God. He had fellowship with God. It's very clear, very obvious. We also know Enoch was open with those outside his family. He didn't just walk the walk, he also talked the talk. Enoch walked out his faith in God, but he spoke for God as well. He wasn't one of these who just said, you know what, I'm just going to try to to be a witness by my walk and I'm just going to try to silently get along and fit in and hopefully somehow, some way, everyone will be able to tell that I'm a Christ follower He walked with God, but he also was not afraid to speak for God. 
to speak the truth of God. And we see this all the way to your right. Turn to your right and go all the way back to the back of the New Testament, to the book of Jude. Jude, in verses 14 and 15, we read about Enoch. Jude, one of the authors of the New Testament, actually spoke and wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about Enoch. And he wrote these words in verses 14 and 15. And Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam. So here he confirms. Enoch's the seventh generation from Adam. Much like Lamech was the seventh generation from Adam. And Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied about them. Here's what he said. Look, the Lord comes with thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict them of all their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him, that being God. So what is he saying here? He's saying Enoch not only walked with God, but Enoch also spoke for God. He prophesied to those ungodly living in his day and time, in his culture, those who were not living for God, those who did not know God, those who were not walking by faith in God, he prophesied and he warned them of God's coming judgment on their sin. He encouraged them to turn by faith in God, to walk with God as he was walking with God. He called out those who were ungodly, the sinners. He said, listen, God's judgment is coming against you if you don't turn to him. He didn't just walk, he also talked the talk. Now again, we understand that this prophecy came true. Because if you, you can look at the lineage, again, if you look at the lineage of Seth, you get to Enoch, you're going to find out that Enoch was the great-grandfather of a guy that we all know named Noah. Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather, and we all know what happened with Noah. In his generation. So what does that tell us? It tells us this. The people weren't listening to Enoch. Enoch had sons and daughters. And each of these that we read about in the lineage had sons and daughters. And the earth was populated from Adam and Eve. And we know and understand Enoch was one who walked with God. And Enoch was prophesying to his family He was prophesying to those outside his family. He was warning them of the coming judgment. And we know it didn't take long. It was only a couple of more generations. And we get to Noah. And we get to Genesis 6 and verse 5. When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth. And that every evil scheme in his mind. I thought it was nothing but evil. All the time the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. They didn't listen to Enoch. And so we understand, even still, Enoch was open with his faith. He was open. He walked the walk and he talked the talk. God wants us to be open with our faith. God doesn't want us just to try to get along and go along so that we can fit in with our society. No, God wants us to walk by faith in him. That means walking the walk and talking the talk. That means speaking the truth of God's word in love. That means not only living out our faith in Christ Jesus, but loving others enough to tell them about Jesus. This happens. We're able to be open with our faith in the Lord as we spend time with God, as we walk with God day after day, after day. Secondly, I want you to see that Enoch was consistent in his faith in God. Look at what, it, what we see here in verse 
22. Enoch walked with God 300 years. Think about that. Enoch walked with God. Walked with God indicates the imagery, the meaning is a steady, daily, consistent progress towards the goal being the Father. He walked with God. Walk with God is not especially spectacular. Walk with God is not especially dazzling. Walk with God is not especially dangerous. Walk with God indicates Enoch's devotion to God. Walk with God indicates Enoch's intimacy with God. Walk with God indicates Enoch's passion for God. Walk with God indicates Enoch's fellowship with God. Walk with God indicates Enoch's relationship with God. Enoch simply walked with God. Step by step, day by day. Get it now. It's Enoch and God. They're walking together. They're talking together. He's walking with God. And God is empowering him to be the witness to his family, to those outside his family. He's empowering him. God empowered Enoch to live out his faith. And trust in him. And it was so important for us to understand this consistency of Enoch's walk with God that God told us twice. Verse 22, Enoch walked with God. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God. Hey, in case you didn't get it, Enoch walked with God. Oh, by the way, if you didn't, if you just skipped over that one, let me help make sure you see Enoch walked with God. Consistency in his walk with God. You know, it's amazing. The more consistent we are in our walk with God, the more we will speak for God. The more consistent we are in our time with God, the more we want to tell others about God. The more consistent we are in our fellowship with the Father, the more... We want to live out our faith in the Father. This consistent, daily walk with God. Not a whole lot of fanfare. Don't read of any parades. But what we read about is an incredibly strong faith that still speaks to us today. We are able to walk with God. We're able to have this consistent walk as we just simply prioritize God day by day. And that is a challenge. It's a challenge because of all that our enemy will throw our way to keep us from walking with God day by day. Hey, don't forget the last point is that Enoch uh, was rewarded for his faith in God. God took him up. Enoch wasn't there. Enoch walked with God. And at some point, God just said, 
why don't you just come on home? And he took him up. But he left us. He left us. This beautiful, powerful picture, testimony, encouragement of faith. Not many people listen to Enoch. We know that. Yet he continued to walk with God day by day, step by step. You see, God rewards us as we walk by faith in him. He rewards us with abundant life today and eternal life one day in heaven. And the truth of the matter is we know and realize that faith in God is a gift from God. Scripture says, for by grace you are saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not by works, so that none of us can boast. And we receive this gift of faith that enables us to walk with God as we repent of our sins, confess them to God, and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. And for those of us who know Jesus, we are able to continue this consistent walk with God step by step, day by day, as we simply live out our faith and trust in God. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worst team is going to come and lead us in this time.